This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Pucks and Cups, where I look at early hockey history. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I do this full-time and every dollar you give helps keep everything going. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, From John to Justin and Canadian History X, which release every single week. One of the first stars of the NHL and arguably one of the greatest players of the first half of the 20th century, Nuzi Lalone, would go down in hockey history as not only a great player, but also a very colourful one. The man who would become known as the Flying Frenchman was born in Cornwall, Ontario on October 31, 1887, to Pierre and Rose Lalonde. As a young man, he would work for the Cornwall Freeholder as a reporter and printer, and it was here that Edouard Cyril Lalonde gained the nickname Newsy that would stay with him for the rest of his life. After playing hockey as a child on the outdoor ponds and creeks, Lalone would gain his first taste of organized hockey with the Cornwall Victorias of the Federal Amateur Hockey League. The next season, he was playing for the Woodstock Sweepers of the Ontario Hockey Association Senior A League, recording eight goals in seven games. His skill on the ice was evident at the time, and he was given an offer from Sault Ste. Marie to play for them. In 1906, he went professional with the team, playing in the International Professional Hockey League. In his one season with the team, he was able to earn a spot on the IHL second all-star team, and soon enough, an offer came from a rival team for Lalone, but Sault Ste. Marie matched it to keep their star for the rest of the season. With the team, he had 33 points, including a staggering 29 goals in only 18 games. In 1907, Lalone signed with the Toronto Professionals of the Ontario Professional Hockey League, leading the team to the league championship. They then went on to play for the Stanley Cup, only to lose in a close game against the Montreal Wanderers. Lalone won the scoring race that year with 29 goals in just 9 games. In 1910, the National Hockey Association was formed, and Lalone signed with the Montreal Canadiens in the club's first season. He has the honour of scoring the very first goal for the team, then adding a second to help the team win its first game in history. Shortly afterwards, he was traded to the Renfrew Creamery Kings halfway through the season. By the end of that season, he led the league in scoring with 22 goals in five games. And in that season, on March 11, 1910, he scored a staggering nine goals in one game. The Canadians decided to bring Lalonde back in 1911. In 1912, he jumped to the rival Pacific Coast Hockey Association and played for the Vancouver Millionaires, leading the team in scoring, recording 27 goals in 15 games. Once again, he found his way back to Montreal when the Canadians bought his rights for $750 from the PCHA. He would respond by scoring 25 goals in 18 games, 
finishing fifth in league scoring. Around this time, Lalone developed a somewhat of a reputation for holding out for what he felt he deserved for pay. In 1914, he would go on strike until mid-January to get the salary he felt he deserved. Even with his holdouts, he would become the player coach of the team in 1915 and spent the next decade with the Canadians. Over the course of his decade with the team, he would score at a pace of a goal a game while wearing number four for a number. In 1916, he led the NHA in scoring while captaining the team to the Stanley Cup that year. The team had finished first in the NHA with 16 wins, 7 losses and 1 tie. They took on the Portland Rosebuds, who finished first in the PCHA, and the first game saw the Canadians lose 2-0 with Malone dealing with a heavy cold. Malone did not play in the second game at all, but the Canadians still won 2-1. In Game 3, he was back and he scored one of the team's six goals as they defeated the Rosebuds 6-3. Malone was so flashy and aggressive in his display in that game that Ernie Johnson of the Rosebuds attacked him, resulting in a bench-clearing brawl that required police intervention. In Game 4, the Canadians were losing 3-0, but Lalone would score in the second period, and the team would roar back to win the game 6-5, thanks to a second goal from Lalone in the third period. In the fifth game, the teams were tied 1-1 until the third period, and then the Canadians would win 2-1 taking the Stanley Cup, the first of 24 for the franchise. For his only Stanley Cup win, Lalone was given $238, or $5,000 today as a bonus. The NHL was formed in 1917 and Lalone scored his first NHL goal in the first NHL game on December 19, 1917. Lalone would play only 14 of 21 games that season, yet still finished second behind Joe Malone in the scoring race thanks to his 23 goals. In 1919, Lalone scored 17 goals in 10 games during the Stanley Cup playoffs, but the deciding game of the Stanley Cup was cancelled due to the outbreak of the Spanish flu on the team. Lalone would contract the flu and the game was postponed and eventually cancelled with no winner declared. In the next season, on January 10, 1920, he would set a Canadiens team record that stands to this day when he scored six goals against the Toronto St. Patrick's. Today, Lalone is one of only seven players in NHL history to have that many goals in a game. In that game, after earning an assist on the team's first goal, he scored his first goal of the game. He scored his second goal two minutes later, and in the second period recorded a hat-trick in only ten and a half minutes. He would score his sixth goal in the third period, and the team won that game 14-7 thanks to the seven-point performance. At the time, his six goals in a game was an NHL record, until it was beaten by Joe Malone in his legendary seven-goal game just a few weeks later. Over the next two seasons, Lalone continued to play well on the ice, but when the Canadians were sold to new owners, he would clash with them and it would impact his play. He would leave the team after four games and was relegated to reserve duty. The Canadians would send Lalone to the Saskatoon Sheiks and it was there he would win his final scoring title, even though the team did poorly. The team would improve over the next two seasons, but Lalone was now feeling his advancing age on the ice, and he would score his last goal on March 2, 1925 against Vancouver. In 1926, he was named as the head coach of the New York Americans, and he played one game as a substitute in November of that year, before retiring from the ice for good. Throughout his career, Lalone was remembered for never backing down from a fight. 
All that Lalone cared about was winning, and he had a fierce determination to win that wouldn't be seen on the Canadians until the arrival of Rocket Richard. His brutal methods on the ice would ensure that his opponents gave him his own space on the ice. Joe Malone's wife had a great dislike for Lalone, despite Lalone's own contribution to the success of Malone's career on the ice. This was likely due to the fact that sometimes the on-ice tactics of Lalone would cause a collateral damage to his own teammates. Malone's son would say, quote, Mother did not like Lalone because he had cut my father's face several times with his stick. End quote. He then turned his attention to coaching, serving as the head coach of the Ottawa Senators from 1929 to 1931 and the Canadians from 1932 to 1935. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. While Lalone is most famous for his time as a hockey player, he is also considered to be one of the greatest lacrosse players in Canadian history. He would begin playing lacrosse in 1905 as a goaltender, and then moved to the attack position in 1910, becoming the biggest star in the sport. That year he scored 31 goals, and in 1912 he signed with Con Jones in Vancouver for $5,000 for one season, almost five times what his salary was with the Montreal Canadiens at the time. It was even comparable to the salary brought in by baseball superstar Ty Cobb, who was earning $9,000, but for a 152-game season, not a 16-game season like Lalone. With Vancouver, he would win three Minto Cups in 1911, 1918, and 1920. In his nine seasons with the Vancouver Lacrosse Club and the Vancouver Terminals, he had 147 goals in 93 games. In 1950, Canadian sports journalists named him the greatest lacrosse player of the first half of the 20th century. In 1965, he was one of the first men inducted into the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Going back to hockey, Lalone's legacy is hard to dispute. He would lead the Canadians in scoring six years while captaining the team from 1915 to 1921. He won the scoring championship seven times in the NHA, the PCHA, the WHL, and the NHL. This mark was unsurpassed in the professional ranks until a man named Wayne Gretzky. Upon his retirement, Lalone had 151 points, including 124 goals in 99 games in the NHL. In the NHA, he had 185 points, including 164 goals in 108 games, and his 468 goals, which includes his pre-NHL and his WCHL totals, was a record until 1954 when it was broken by Rocket Richard. His greatest professional season was when he scored 37 goals and 9 assists for 46 points in 23 games with the 1919-20 Montreal Canadiens. When Lester Patrick was asked how to keep Lalone from scoring, he would say, quote, It's very simple. All that is necessary is to keep the puck away from him. Going back to his goal total, it can be hard to estimate due to the poor reporting in the early years of hockey. While Rocket Richard is considered the first person to score 500 goals in professional hockey, some feel that Lalone may have actually been the first. Due to his play across several leagues, it can be hard to calculate properly and some hockey historians have gone over his statistics and say he may have scored between 501 
and 523 goals across his career, but this is not officially recognized by the NHL. As a player, Lalonde played in a very aggressive area, and he was able to keep playing for 23 seasons. Known for his incredibly accurate shot, he would send a knee-high shot at goaltenders knowing they couldn't drop to their knees to make a save, easily scoring a goal. Lalone was a skilled playmaker and scorer, and he was one of the meanest players on the ice. He was hated by the opposition and even his own teammates at times. One story tells of when he was a coach and he punched one of his players who tried to stand up to him, and he warned the team that he would not take any talk back. During his coaching career, he would finish with a record of 144 wins, 167 losses, and 28 ties. In 1950, Lalo was named to the Hockey Hall of Fame and the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame in 1965. When the Sports Hall of Fame opened in 1955, he was there to light the torch. In 1998, he placed 32nd on the list of the 100 greatest hockey players, the highest ranking player on the list who played in a professional league before the founding of the NHL. A plaque also exists at the Cornwall Civic Centre celebrating the life of Newsy Lalone, and July 22nd was declared as Newsy Lalone Day in the city of Cornwall. Big day here in Cornwall, Newsy Lalone Day, it's a celebration of our uh, sports history. And what better guy to talk to than Tom Racine, president of the Cornwall Sports Hall of Fame. Hi, Tom, how are you doing? I'm great, Kev. What a great day, as you said. It really was. And it, you know what? It's kudos to, to you. I, I know you don't like me to say that today, but... Um, you did an absolutely wonderful job here setting this up. A lot of these things, the plaque will come in, a few dignitaries, and thank you very much for uh, recognizing uh, the historical interest in this plaque. But uh, to put this little thing on here and have the people that showed up here this afternoon, awesome job. Well, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate that. For people who may not know, tell us a little bit about uh, Newsy's place in the game and why he's so important, why we should remember this guy. Well, I think... I, I, I think if you, you mention the name, um, everybody in sports is going to know the name, but it's the, the multi-sport, the two-sport athlete that he was. I mean, lacrosse was a big game here at the turn of the last century. And uh, so he, he starts playing lacrosse here in Cornwall, and he br bridges that into hockey. Uh, he becomes the, the first player to score a goal in the iconic history of the Montreal Canadiens. So he'll go down in history as the, you know, the first man to ever score a goal for that franchise. But it's the dual sports. He's a member of the Canadian um, sport, Lacrosse Sports Hall of Fame and uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. And there aren't too many people who can have that distinction. So uh, that alone is, uh, is, is worth the recognition. Currently, his number four is retired by Montreal, although in the rafters it has the name of Jean Beliveau, the last man to wear the jersey. And there's currently a campaign in place to have Lalone honoured in the rafters as well. Newsy Lalo Way in Cornwall was also named for him in a ceremony in 2010. I would like to uh, welcome each and every one of you to the city of Cornwall today as this day is a, is, a, is a day of history, a day of history that, you know what, 10 or 12 years down the road, we're going to remember where we were on this September 22nd. Cornwall has a very, very rich sports history and uh, there has been no greater athlete from our city than Edouard Newsy Lalonde. And today we finally have the opportunity to pay homage to this outstanding athlete uh, who was a coach, a player, and uh, brought so much honor to our community going back many, many years ago. Monsieur Richard, with 11 Stanley Cups to his credit, has more championship rings than any other uh, athlete in North America. And as, as we all know him as the pocket rocket, and we all know why, which is reference to his brother, uh, Maurice, um, and his jersey, number 16, has been retired and also currently member of the Hockey Hall of Fame.
Desjaul is probably the most public face linked to the history of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, who appeared in 700 games and 450, 456 points and earned five Stanley Cup rings. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give him a big Cornwall welcome to Monsieur Regent Hull. Well, thank you very much, people, to be part of us in a way, because I know that we have a lot of good fans here in Cornwall, Montreal Canadian fans over the years, and having New Zealand alone, one of our greatest part of this ceremony today, it's an honor for us too, because the last year, the centennial year, was a great year for us. And that us younger guys, we had like the feeling that we've been part of a very good organization, but we did not know the story, the history of our team, like you guys are doing today. This is part of our history. Henri, how many years did you play with New Zealand? Did you play with him? <laughs> For us, uh, just having our centennial year, and we know what all our history is all about. New Zealand was one of our best players at the start of uh, the centennial, about 100 years ago. He was scoring goals, he scored the first goal for us. He was one of our first captains. He was one of the guys who was named on the Hall of Fame too in 1950. So for us, the history starts with New Zealand. So we're very happy to be here today and have the Cornwall City and being here and having like the fans here with us today. We have good fans in Cornwall. They come in Montreal very often to see us. So they're part of our family. Well, he, he was one of the top, the, first of all, the, the first ever Montreal Canadian uh, hockey player that uh, got all the honor. So when, when you have, like, when you have guys like New Zealand, then Aoui Morens come after, then the Rocket Richard, the Jean Bilivaux, you know, Henry was there for so many years, Ivan Cornoyer, <laughs> 11 Stanley Cup, can you imagine? Never will, never, nobody will never be able to do that in the, in the future. As we're going to be unveiling the, uh, the plaque, the memorial plaque, the, which will be installed uh, in a few minutes, just right straight behind you, and which will be here for many, many years for everybody to see. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's official, Promenade New Zealand Alone Way. Canadian's legend Guy Lafleur would speak of the trend that Lalonde started on the team, which would inspire players all the way up to today. He would say, quote, It is important because you look back. Today's kids might not go as far. If you look back to the 30s and 40s, players who wanted to play in the NHL would look back to the players in the 1910s and the 1920s. It goes on and on. For kids who identify themselves as players, it is important because they would have a dream to one day become a hockey player and play in the NHL. You need that. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You need some reference from the past. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at New Zealand alone. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurie-Ann Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Pamela Elder, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray.
If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from NHL.com, the Hockey Hall of Fame, Our History, the historical website of the Montreal Canadiens, Wikipedia, ourhockeywriters.com, and theseeker.ca. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.